The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me on Psych Up Live. Today we're going to be speaking about gossip. Is gossip a character flaw or a social skill? Why is it that no one wants to be called a gossip, but everybody enjoys listening to a juicy story? Is gossip good? Is gossip bad? Is it necessary? We are very fortunate today to have as our guest well-known social psychologist, Dr. Frank McAndrew, who has been studying gossip for over 20 years and is the author of many, many articles, including The Science of Gossip, Why We Can't Stop, which is printed in the Science Scientific American Mind, published there. Dr. N. McAndrew is the Cornelia H. Dudley Professor of Psychology at Knox College. He's an elected fellow of several professional organizations. As an evolutionary social psychologist, his research is guided by the simple desire to make sense of everyday life. His research has appeared in dozens of scientific journals, as well as news and media outlets like Time Magazine, CNN, the NBC Today Show, NPR. His research has been shared on Twitter by journalist Arianna Huffington, and he's even been lampooned by comedians Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien. He's been a frequent guest on TV and radio and has lectured throughout the United States and in countries, countries ranging alphabetically from Denmark to Tanzania. Frank McAndrew, it is a privilege to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Well, thank you. It's a privilege to be here, Suzanne. Thanks so much. Frank, let's start by defining gossip. What is gossip? Well, yeah, let's start with that because that's where I think uh, we get off on the wrong track right away. Most people have a very narrow idea of what gossip is, and they usually define it as something that other people do. Nobody thinks that they gossip. Uh, If they're talking about someone, they're expressing concern or they're sharing important information. Uh, Gossip, by definition, they think of as a bad thing. But... um, I, the way I define gossip, and this is the way it's usually thought of by people who do research on it, is, uh, first of all, it's talk about people. So if we're talking about the weather or some company, that doesn't really qualify as gossip. It's got to be about a specific person, and it's got to be about a person who isn't present. So if I'm talking to you, I can't gossip about you to yourself. It's something that you do about people who aren't there. It's often information you can make moral judgments about. In other words, you're talking about something that allows you to draw conclusions about the character uh, or virtue of the person you're discussing, but that doesn't have to be the case, but it often is. Mm -hmm. And finally, 
by definition, gossip is entertaining and fun. We, uh, the title of the article that you mentioned, Why We Can't Stop Ourselves, it's true. Nobody ever says, oh, I've got to go gossip with my friends now. It's an irresistible, you try to look away, but you can't. So mm-hmm. the, put those things together, that's what gossip is. Okay. Now, one of the things you say in your work is that, and you're sort of implying it, we are hardwired to gossip. We have been gossiping throughout the, throughout the decades. What is it? What well, is the evolutionary piece? Yeah. Um, another thing, when people sort of disparage gossip, they talk about it as if it's possible to not do it. You know, as if it's like we can stop breathing or stop our hearts from beating. It, gossip is just as much a part of us as any of those things. And um, the reason is very simple. Going way back to our prehistoric roots, we lived in small groups of people and highly political groups, just like chimpanzees are always jockeying for position. If you were going to be successful in those groups, and by successful I mean you can maintain friendships and allies, you can get people to mate with you, um, you have to know what's going on with other people. You have to know. Right. Who has powerful friends and who doesn't? Who is sleeping with who? Uh, who has access to resources that you don't have? And people who were clueless about that, people who were not driven to find those things fascinating, just simply got outcompeted. So we're the descendants of busybodies, like it or not. Mm-hmm. Our ancestors mm-hmm. were people who were good at keeping up with what other people were doing. So it became very much a part of human nature. Mm. And I know you mentioned things, and it makes sense to me when when I think about it. If gossip was a way that I found out in a group who was reliable, who was a cheater, who would serve as a good potential mate, that would be my way of getting that information and passing it on. So you can see the positive function of gossip when we put it into that kind of context. Sure. I mean, it's... um a lot of gossip serves the greater, we'll, we'll eventually get into talking about good gossip versus bad gossip, but um, a lot of gossip actually serves um, the greater good. As you said, it's a way of monitoring people's reputations. If you're in a work group, one of the things that makes you be a good citizen is you know that other people are paying attention to your behavior and that they'll talk about you if you're cutting corners, letting other people do your work for you. And so it keeps us honest, so to speak. And it is a way of learning things that people won't come right out and tell you. If you, if you start a new job in an organization, there are a lot of things people don't come right out and say. Is it, how should you dress for work? Is it okay to just leave at 5 o'clock? And by listening into the gossip network and see what people are saying about people who do one thing or another, you, you get socialized. You learn the rules of the group, and that makes the group function better. Frank, I was once a secretary in between college those summers, and I was working in a factory um, that was selling air conditioners, and I was a teletypist. And um, within the first day or so, one of the managers, a female, came over to me and said, okay, so I'm going to let you know this. 
The male manager drinks at lunch. So here's the warning. Completely ignore whatever he says. You know, we weren't into Me Too and uh, what's appropriate, but there was the gossip, but it was also uh, the heads up to this new kid who was working in the factory. So when you said that, I thought, well, look that, look at that. Without that gossip, I don't think I would have had the warning about this fellow. But uh, it, it's really interesting how we think, can think of it in a functional way. And, now, the intention, I, and the intention of her telling you that was not really to destroy this guy's reputation it was actually to protect you you know the gossip had a noble purpose yes she was friendly with the man but exactly as you're saying she was protecting this new person now i mentioned to you before that i googled gossip and i came up with 252 million results and the first one frank was negative gossip is idle talk or rumor etc so the question becomes why do we always cast gossip or often cast gossip in a negative light? And when is gossip negative? Well, that, that's a, a complicated question. But yeah, let me tackle that. Um, well, first of all, we think about the negative stuff first because that's the stuff that causes trouble, right? Right. And so um, when you think about gossip, you're naturally going to think about the time gossip wreaked havoc in your work group or hurt you badly. And um, most of the time, people find gossip about themselves to be, you know, unpleasant. So in some ways, whether gossip is good or bad is in the ear of the beholder. Mm -hmm. If I'm a cheater at work who's trying to do as little as possible and I'm stealing from the company, if I find out people are gossiping about that, I'm going to be angry and I'm going to feel like that's negative behavior on their part. But I'm sure other people are not going to share my opinion about that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, whether gossip is perceived as negative is very much depends on the perspective you're coming from. Hmm. Having said that, I think the kind of gossip that people universally disapprove of is that selfish, self-serving gossip where you're destroying somebody else's reputation, uh, usually by spreading lies, and you're only doing this to advance your own interests. So I think that's the kind of gossip that people think of first when they think of the word gossip. Mm. Now, I had a thought about one of the other things that came up in, in your writing about gossip, and that is the idea that we could think of gossip as sort of a sign of trust. So I'm going to tell you something, Frank, and that means you're part of my inner circle about someone else. But what I've seen in my office with people is if I say to you, I'm telling you this and don't tell anyone, including your family, your spouse, etc. I've invited you into a bond with me, but now I've created somewhat of a problem that you're holding a secret you can't share with other people close to you. Right, right. And you're right. And this is where the social skill part comes in, because... Um, if you do share sensitive information with me, that is a deep sign of trust. You are saying, I want you to know this, and I believe that you are not going to use this information in any way that's going to cause me trouble. And that does create a bond. And we find ourselves sort of gratified when other people trust us that way. So um, when you share private information with me like that, it does make me feel good and it makes me feel trusted. But then it does create this tension because... When we, uh, you, we all know that feeling, right, of knowing something that you know other people are dying to know. Mm-hmm. And you walk around just 
it, you can feel it almost wanting to explode out of you. It's like an itch that you need to scratch. And uh, so you are putting the person in that position. But uh, there's no doubt about it that sharing this, this bond is something that brings people together. Now, the social skill part comes in um, in many ways, but one of them is, all right, I have to know who can handle this and who can't. I have to know how much to tell this person. I have to be able to present it in a way that doesn't appear to be self-serving. And people who aren't good at gossiping, people who just kind of blab indiscriminately to anybody um, that's within earshot, pretty soon nobody shares information with them. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, And at the same time, if you are the holier-than-thou individual who sort of announces that you are not going to engage in gossip, what you're essentially saying to your friends and coworkers is, I'm not really part of your group. I don't want to be involved with you in that kind of intimate way, and I don't Mm -hmm. trust you. And that's kind of a ticket to isolation as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, the sweet spot is being the person who is part of the network, who is known to be judicious and tactful in the way they use information. And those kinds of people are usually pretty um, popular because people come to them with information and for information, and they trust their judgment. Mm-hmm. So they're the type of, so if you're in the situation and the kind of person you're talking about who can make the judgments might hear in an office, I think Mary is out because I actually think she got a negative diagnosis. Um, I think maybe the cancer is back. Now, maybe someone says well, I really hope that's not true, but for her sake, why don't we wait and see before we spread this, because we're really not so sure. That is, if you're on the inside, Frank, yes, you're part of the group that shares, but you also then have the option of helping the others not um, set off a runaway train, which maybe Mary would not want. So it, it gives you some clout in that group. Yep, and if you've removed yourself from that network, uh, and you're not considered an influential person socially, uh, you will have no say over how that comes down. Right. It's, it's almost like I hadn't thought of it before, but we speak so much about the bystander and the importance of the bystander in violence and in um, negative behavior, bullying. But it's very much a part, gossip is, you know, bullying is fueled by gossip. So being the bystander who says, well, I don't know that we should share that, really is the, the bystander who plays an important role. What well, I, and that's, go ahead. Yeah, I, I have not thought about this before, but you're absolutely right. You become sort of the broker uh, within your group of how information should be shared and with whom because you have a good track record of being able to manage it responsibly. Mm. Now, we've all had the experience when the office gossip really has been used in a negative way to keep insiders in and outsiders out and that's true in classrooms it's true among really we were talking a little earlier with with females it could kids could be as young as seven and we're whispering about the party but uh susan is not going to be told about it and that's where it becomes so divisive and painful for people right yep and um Using gossip that way is much more typical of uh, females than males. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that males aren't competitive and nasty to each other, but they tend to take a more direct uh, kind of approach because 
they sort of want people to see that they are dominating this other guy and that they're the winner. Uh, whereas with females, uh, it's called indirect aggression or relational aggression. Uh, the mm. goal is really to kind of isolate your rivals, uh, ostracize them from the group, and do whatever you can to prevent them from forming their own social network. And it's all very uh, sort of behind the back and subtle, and, but yes, it has devastating effects. Hmm. One of the things I wondered is if in your research, is there a certain type, let's put it a teenage girl, who is the prime bully who will start the gossip? Has there been any information or is it is it just typical of the age and females when a rival comes into the school or, or do we really see some personality factors? Um, so far, and people have looked at this, uh, the personality thing seems to be something of a dead end. There doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be any you know, personality pattern or certain traits that if the person possesses them, you can say, aha, this person's going to be a nasty gossip. It does seem to be much more um, under the control of things in the situation, how uh, secure you're feeling in your social group, uh, what this other person looks like. The uh, I just wrote an article recently about why pretty girls get bullied. Yes. Um, now, girls of all sorts of attractiveness levels can be bullied, obviously. But one very frequent thing that happens with teenagers is there's the new girl who is fairly good looking. And these guys that you're interested in keeping their eyes on you suddenly might be talking about or looking at her. And um, if you are sort of at least moderately attractive yourself and see this girl as serious competition, that's going to put you in a position where, like it or not, you're going to be strongly motivated to sort of cut her down a bit. Um, and it, I think sometimes when we talk about teenagers, we give them a little too much credit for being able to plan and think rationally. Um, mm-hmm. But these impulses drive you to just act a certain way, say things at a certain time, uh, kind of in the moment. But they can also be a much more organized, hey, we've got to shut this girl down, and you start you know, using Facebook and other things to um, spread rumors about her. Mm. So, but so far, there doesn't seem to be a certain personality type, no. Okay, um, and we're going to have to take a break, but it's so interesting, and that's a blog worth our listeners reading because we see we have seen very disastrous endings suicide in the face of some children who just can't take the bullying anymore you know as one as one person said oh in their message you know it it never goes away once it's on you know it's cyber bullying or it's online so there's a serious there's sometimes serious consequences certainly to gossip driven bullying we're going to take a break you've been listening to psych up live and we're speaking with frank mcandrew he's an evolutionary social psychologist he has spent 20 years studying gossip we're so fortunate to have him on stay with us we'll be right back Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. 
We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. In fitness and health, we all deserve a second chance. Join host Michael Skog for the program, You Only Stronger. You always have the ability to start fresh, even if you slip up on your diet or fitness program. Even small steps taken throughout the day can help. Each show will conclude with weekly assignments that you can use and will want to hear your feedback. You Only Stronger airs live Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Every day, we're surrounded by technical buzzwords and jargon that can go way over our heads. Now, there's a show that brings it all back down to earth. Tune in for today, Tomorrow's Technologies, with host Jose Negron. We'll not only explain the new technologies that are shaping our world, we'll give you the benefits and backstory of these technologies. Listen for T3 with Jose Negron, live every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Frank McAndrew, evolutionary social psychologist who has studied gossip for over 20 years. He's the author of The Science of Gossip, Why We Can't Stop. Frank, um, I know you've done all this research. Let's talk a little bit about the results you have found on topics like gender interests with regard to gossip and gender differences. Sure. Um, Well, uh, the very first study of gossip I did was uh, sort of aimed at uncovering some of those things. About 20 years ago, I was working with one of my students on a project, um, and I was a little surprised at that time to find out that nobody had really done any experiments on gossip. Um, All I could find were some sort of essays that were written by people sharing their thoughts about how gossip works, some stuff by anthropologists describing how people gossip in various societies. But nobody actually had presented people with information and manipulated one kind of information or another and see what people were interested in. So that's what we did. And uh, one of the things we predicted and found was, first of all, we're most interested in information about people who are the same sex as us and around our age. So if you're a young man, 
you're more interested in information about other young men than you are about anyone else. And from an evolutionary perspective, this makes perfect sense because the people that are of your same sex and around your same age are your main competitors. They're the ones you need to keep track of. So if I'm an 18-year-old caveman, I'm not really that worried about what 50-year-old men are doing, and I'm not that worried about what women are doing other than determining, you know, who's going to be a desirable mate and who isn't. But I really need to know uh, what my competitors are up to. You know, who's, who's making, scoring political points with important people? Uh, who's an outstanding hunter or warrior? Uh, I've got to keep my eye on these other guys. So we're drawn to information about people that are similar to us in that way. And this is true for women as well as for men. But um, in the study that I did, we found that while men are interested in other men more than they are in women. Women are virtually obsessed with information about other women. <laughs> and, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but we ask people to choose um, how interested would you be in knowing um, more about this, depending on who the person was, you know, how old she was or, you know, what her sex was. Mm-hmm. And overwhelmingly, women just really wanted to know what other women were up to. Whereas men mostly wanted to know what men were up to. <laughs> so well, I, w- I wonder if that is re- I wonder if that reflects women loving reality shows um, and maybe the talk shows even more than men might. Well, and soap operas. I mean, let's yeah. face it, soap operas are nothing but gossip shows, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Characters know secret things about each other. You know, you know whose baby that really is and you know mm-hmm. Uh, who's cheating on whom, but the character in the show uh, who's the victim of this doesn't. And uh, so we're engaging these gossip mechanisms in these reality TV shows and in soap operas because they're pressing those buttons in our brain that um, lure us in in our real social lives. Mm-hmm. It's and interesting when it's, I think of young marrieds, people in their 30s, when they track down old friends Men, if they're interested, you're interested in what the other guy's doing and the kind of income he's making. Mm-hmm. And women are interested in what's the marriage like, how many kids, where do they live, what's the house. So it's very interesting that there seem to be real differences in what the interests are. Yeah, and I think what we're doing is kind of holding up a mirror to our prehistoric ancestors yeah. and, and what they had to be concerned about. And so for guys... I mean, the way the mating market tended to work, uh, as far as we can tell in those early societies, was they tended to be polygamous. So uh, men had multiple wives. And if you were a low-status guy, you were just shut out completely. You were a genetic dead end. Where women didn't have that same kind of pressure, because in a polygamous society, um, women can always find a guy to mate with, because there are enough desperate guys out there. And... um, and even if you are like the third or fourth wife of a really powerful guy with good genes, that might be better than being the only wife of a loser, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so for men, it was all about status, and that translates in our modern world into what kind of job does this guy have? What kind of money is he making? Uh, does he have some political clout? That's the stuff I'm really interested in finding out about the guy, just because that's what I'm kind of programmed to be interested in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, for females... Not that that's uninteresting, but um, they're going to be more interested in 
uh, sort of relational things uh, within a group. You know, who's in, who's out, uh, who can I trust, who can I not trust? Because, again, in these hunter-gatherer societies, the women tended to be in fairly small, tight-knit groups in constant contact with each other. They were related to a lot of these people, um, not to others, and so the dynamic was quite different. Mm. Now, I think one of the things that you mentioned in the research, women, for instance, being much more interested in the affairs of other women and what's happening in their lives. And one thing that I thought was so interesting, maybe we could talk about it, is who women gossip with and who men gossip with, if they gossip at all. Yeah, um, well, men certainly do gossip, (laughs) as well as women, and uh, we'll we'll come back to that, I'm sure, in a moment. Mm -hmm. But... um, in a later study that we did, we were primarily focused on what people were interested in our, in our early studies. What do we want to know? What kind of information do we want to know? And who do we want to know it about? That's kind of what my focus was. But then in a later study, I got interested in, well, given that I have certain information, who am I more likely to share it with? Yeah. And uh, what we found was pretty clear. Men uh, almost universally were most likely to share gossip with their romantic partner first. So I would tell my wife or my girlfriend something before I would tell anybody else. For women, they were just as likely to share information with their female friends as they were with a romantic partner or a spouse. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you think is the reason behind that, Frank? Do you have any hypotheses about that? Well, I'm not sure other than um, for females, being in possession of prized information um, may have moved your status in the group up much more for women than it would have for men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for men, uh, sharing information too freely with other guys may give your competition a competitive edge, and so you might be a little inhibited about that. Mm. I, I, that makes sense to me, too, um, in terms of that's the type of thing, that's currency for a woman. If she has some information about another woman, particularly a rival, that she's going to share. And men... Uh, this is interesting because uh, let's talk a little bit about people and celebrities. I can be in a deli, and as far as currency, it seems really valuable when a man comes in and goes, did you see Charles Barkley last night, or what's wrong with Curry, or I only know basketball because that's, that's what my son's played, but that you clearly, that's currency. They don't have to talk about anything else. They instantly, men are talking with them then. So sure. uh, obviously there's a social benefit to um, gossip or having information or having shared. Everyone has seen the game, so everyone is really together on that. Yeah, and I think celebrities are um, they're useful to us in a variety of different ways. Um, let me start by just saying why we're interested in them at all. I mm-hmm. think celebrities um, are the result of our brains being tricked by modern technology. In the world that we evolved in, there was no such thing as celebrities. Um, everybody that you knew was a real person in your life, and the more you knew about that person, the more socially important that person was to you. And so when we find ourselves already knowing a lot about somebody, that sends a signal that this is a socially important person, and therefore somebody you want to really keep tabs on. So you become fascinated with more information about that person. Now, in the modern world, 
uh, what happens to us is through the mass media, we know all about all these celebrities, whether they be politicians or athletes or movie stars. And you know more about a lot of these people than you know about your next door neighbor, I'm sure. And um, even though consciously you know these people don't matter to me, I'm never going to meet them, the fact that you already know so much about them causes you to be interested in them. And therefore you do browse the newspaper for an article about them, or if something on the Internet catches your eye, you click on it and find out a little more about that person. You just can't help it, even though Mm -hmm. you don't really understand where it's coming from. So I think that's where our interest in celebrities comes from to begin with. But Frank, oh, I, would, yes? I, would, I would say to you that <clears throat> in my waiting room, there's a selection of magazines from Harper's to The New Yorker to New York, but People Magazine is the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah <clears throat> that's very profitable. One. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, we, well, just look at the nightly news. Um, we love stories about people. We don't like stories full of pie charts and statistics, and uh, so the scandal of the politician, the missing child, the messy divorce between the celebrity couple, we were just really programmed to want to know about the personal lives of individual people. And because, what use? Go ahead. Yeah, because that's, that's what matters to us. It's so interesting when I read that, you, when you spoke about how celebrities have become familiar friends and everyone knows about in some ways the gossip has fueled and maybe helped the Me Too movement but the night that Charlie Rose the information was on Charlie Rose I had a group going that night I cannot tell you people walked into the group saying men oh no not Charlie Rose as if not not my brother Sam I mean and people were upset and it was Frank like these were their very good friends. So it really, the more I read about, you know, your your discussion of celebrities as having become important people in our lives, the more it rang true. Yeah, and uh, in the Charlie Rose thing, um, people felt betrayed because mm-hmm. they he seemed trusted and likable and how could he do this to me, you know? I yes. enjoyed my one-way parasocial relationship with him, and now he's ruined it, you know, and, right. and uh, so we feel the same sort of moral outrage over celebrities we care about, and when we see people attacking celebrities that we care about, we feel very defensive um, mm-hmm. and outraged as well, and the other way that celebrities play into our social skills is, okay, uh, the issue of why we're interested in them is one a, a different topic that we just talked about, but um, it's a way of managing um, social relations in a world of strangers. You and I have never spoken before today, so we don't really know each other and we don't have much of a past, but we could go out and have lunch together and talk about Roseanne and Donald Trump and all of these celebrities that we know a lot about. So they're like right. mutual friends. Uh, I like to call them friends-in-law. <laughs> and, and it gives us something to talk about and a connection if we share opinions about people. So... Uh, if we like Donald Trump and we agree on that, that gives us a bond. If we dislike Donald Trump and we agree on that, that gives us a bond. And it opens the door to a real social relationship. So knowing about celebrities is, in fact, a form of social capital that you can then use, um, you know, to make your way in the world. So. Mm-hmm. When I hear people dismissing, uh, which I regularly hear people bragging about how they don't 
watch TV and they don't care about celebrities as if this is something that, you know, is a point of pride. What I'm secretly thinking is, well, <laughs> you obviously don't care about uh, knowing what's going on in the world so you can talk to other people. Mm. It's interesting that you say that because many people have brought questioned me about screen time for little ones and um, they don't want the child to have any screen time and my position is actually that that's a problem that I could see with my own little grandchildren that being able to know who Dr. McStuffins is and being able to know who the minions are is the same type of social capital as adults get when we're watching the news and and or reading, you know, the different magazines, so that it it does bond people and even little ones to be all overjoyed that the teacher is using one of those figures that they're used to on the TV as a point of reference for spelling or whatever it happens to be. So I, I'm with you in that preventing any kind of exposure to this, I don't think is a gift. No, and I would agree. I have a... a granddaughter who just finished kindergarten this year mm-hmm. and even at her age um you don't want to be clueless about you know who the disney princesses are and right. uh you know because that that's another obstacle you have to overcome to be sort of a regular member of the social group mm-hmm. now uh i'm sympathetic to the screen time argument when it's taken to extremes uh, i think the problem with screen time is uh, every minute you're spending on the screen is a minute you're not doing something else. Mm-hmm. You're not outside getting exercise. You're not, you know, reading. You're not doing something mm-hmm. that might be more useful. But I, I agree with what you said 100%. There's a certain level of familiarity you want to have with the common culture. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, and so we think about monitoring it, you know, the same way we would wonder if someone spent 24-7 watching soap operas or reality TV, their exposure to the rest of the world would suffer. But um, I think monitoring it, but certainly you have to know the Disney princesses if you're a kindergarten little girl. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that goes without saying. Or the grandfather um, of a uh, kindergarten girl. <laughs> that is correct. Um, so the, the other thing that you talk about when, when we talk about gossip is um, becoming a team player in, in being able to share key information. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, let's look at how complicated gossip is and how we can decipher when we're using it to our advantage and other people's advantage and when it really has become a problem. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with Frank McAndrews, social psychologist. He's published tremendous articles. Um, His book is Environmental Psychology, and he's written The Science of Gossip, Why We Can't Stop, and has spent 20 years studying it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you finding your frequency? 
It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Frank McAndrew, evolutionary social psychologist, and we've been talking about gossip. So, Frank, why do we find the dirt on other people so interesting? Ah, good question. And uh, because it's usually about dirt, that's why people always think gossip is bad. Earlier, we spoke a little bit about what types of people we're interested in. We like to keep tabs on our competitors, so I'm interested in other guys of about my age more than I'm interested in anyone else. But the type of information that we are really interested in is information that's going to be useful to us. So we want information that's going to help us get ahead, to score points, to enhance our status, to expand our network. And for better or worse, that information is often the negative stuff. Um, If I'm a, again, to step back into my prehistoric self, if I'm a a caveman and I'm sort of a little low in the pecking order status-wise, and I find out that the top caveman just dragged home another mastodon for dinner and just got another beautiful wife, this doesn't really help me, right? Um, right? This guy is already way above me and finding out this good stuff about him is totally uninteresting because it's not useful to me. On the other hand, if I find out that he's just had a falling out with some political allies or he's been cheating on his wives and has been kind of driven out by the whole lot of them, 
I'm fascinated by this because maybe I can use this to get ahead in some way or other. It's useful to me. Now, sometimes good gossip can be useful, depending on who it's about. In the studies we did, uh, when we presented people with positive information, such as uh, somebody's dating a movie star, or somebody just came into a large inheritance, or somebody just won a major award, in those cases, people are much more interested in finding out that information about an ally or a relative or a friend of theirs, because if you think about it, in that situation, that's useful information. Mm-hmm. If suddenly mm-hmm. you have a friend who has access to fame and fortune, uh, this may bring you a little closer to that as well. And so we do find that more interesting. If I find mm-hmm. out one of my rivals, on the other hand, has just had that good stuff happen, not so interesting. Interesting. Uh, what was funny to me is, and you correct me if this is wrong, they weren't that interested in wonderful things that had happened to their professors. Oh, not at all. No. <laughs> Um, nothing good, no. But if they found out the professor was a cheater or had a drinking problem or something, they were interested in that <laughs> because, you know, it's a, a supposedly powerful authority person yes. that if you have some dirt on them, maybe you can, you know, do a little blackmail or use it in some way to get ahead. Who knows? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It really is. One thing that we started the show, it, it, we started talking and I asked our listeners um, that we were considering, or I mentioned to our listeners, we were considering the question of, is gossip a character flaw, or can we think of it even as a social skill? Well, um, I certainly think of it as a social skill, because it's not the fact that you gossip that gets you in trouble, it's the fact that you don't gossip well that gets you in trouble. Mm. And that's where the social skill uh, end comes in. Um, I get rewarded by sharing just the right amount of information about the right people with the other right people. I only get punished and um, become kind of a pariah if I'm known as somebody who, at either extreme, either I don't ever know anything, or if I do, I won't tell you, or um, you can't trust me with information because I'm going to go around broadcasting it to the world. And so the social skill part comes from... uh, you know, being able to navigate this very tricky social space that gossip happens in. Now, when we talk about it as a character flaw, I think what we're really doing is saying, uh, this person is not a very good gossiper. You know, it's, so it's not something about their personality. It's just like saying somebody's a bad cook or a bad driver. But in some way, we think of it more as a character flaw than just a failure of uh, being skillful. Now, when we talk about gossip, Frank, we're, we're talking about something that's true. This is different than lying about someone? Um, that's, people disagree about that. And uh, I guess I'm sort of on the fence about that. I don't think that gossip, by definition, has to be true. If it's information about someone else, and it's something you can make some moral judgments about and people are going to be fascinated by it, I think it qualifies as gossip. Whether it later turns out to be true or not, I don't think is the defining factor. Mm. Well, the other part of that, if we think of how, remember the, the game of telephone, it may have some element of truth, but by the time the 50th person has passed it on, who knows what <laughs> the gossip really is and how true it is but it, I, it you know all of the negative piece when it when it's certainly passed on 
becomes destructive and I imagine at times, you know, has the lying part in it, the deception piece and the untruth. Yes, and I think to the extent that we're going to use the term character flaw and apply that to somebody who gossips, we, we should be saving that for the person who becomes known for making up lies about people and spreading those. Mm. I, I don't think there's anybody who would ever identify that as a positive use of gossip or anything that has any good outcomes at all. Mm. You know, somewhere in the middle of this is, the, is what we've seen with the Me Too culture of men and women maintaining a code of silence for 30 years, 20 years, and then one by one, fueled by someone else's courage, as they've said, has come out, you know, uncovering abuse that they've had to bear or information or secrets about people. Now, somewhere there's a gossip piece to that, but I kept thinking if they hadn't been able to break the code of silence, maybe lots of people would not be protected. Yep, yeah, and this would, I think the, the Me Too um, movement is a perfect example of uh, gossip on the grand stage because you're talking about intimate behavior, right? Sexual behavior. We're talking about whether a person can be uh, trusted to use their power in a virtuous or underhanded way. So it, it bears directly on character. And that's the most fascinating kind of gossip of all, is information that allows us to feel like we know whether a person can be trusted, uh, whether they are somebody we want to engage with or not. And um, so I think you're right. The fact that women are starting to talk about this encourages other women to come out because now they have greater confidence that they will be believed. That, mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a funny sort of way, what we were just talking about, I think women were afraid of being branded with the character flaw. If they came out on their own and accused Harvey Weinstein or Charlie Rose of doing whatever he did, if they were the only one out there and the conclusion was drawn that you're lying and that you're trying to assassinate this man's character, that destroys you. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if there's 20 or 50 or 90 other women saying the same thing about the same guy, you now have more confidence that your gossip will be perceived as uh, trying to accomplish a, a social good rather than a selfish, you know, I'm just in it for the money or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like how you put that out. What would you say, given the context and our social media um, culture, what's the type of advice you would give to your child or your grandchild about gossip? Well, that's a, that's a tricky thing. And, you know, uh, I don't know that parents ever sit down and have the gossip talk, you know, the way <laughs> they have the other kinds of talks that you have with right. children. But maybe they should. Um, and, yeah, you know, this is the first time I've ever thought about this, now that you posed that question. Certainly, you want to lay out that there are certain things that one does not do. And the biggest one would be spreading something you know to be a lie. Mm-hmm. You also want to educate um, kids about the blowback that can come from being identified as the source of information that later on turns out to be really problematic. I think um, when it comes to the bullying situation, especially for girls, uh, 
somehow or other teaching people about the terrible consequences for the victim in these situations. I think all too often they're, they're, again, being a teenager, you're very focused on your own popularity and social life, and you're not really thinking about the other person except that you want them out, right? Right. But if we can get people to empathize a little more with what it feels like to be the target of this kind of gossip, uh, that would be a good thing as well. So mm-hmm. for starters, you know, stick to the truth, um, be aware of the consequences, and... And I, I would avoid too much of the strict moralistic, do not ever speak about another person because it is bad. Because it's an impossible request. I mean, if you don't talk about other people, what do you talk about? Well, I, I like what you said earlier when you said it's not gossip, it's the way you gossip and the intent of the gossip. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's it's fun to be talking about so-and-so's party if we're all going or um I mean, it's the nature of people. They're going to talk about people. <laughs> but I, I like the way you talk about it when it's used for me, you know, um, bullying myself at the cost of someone else. It's a very different type of gossip. And, and most gossip isn't, isn't uh, bad, right? I mean, if mm-hmm. you and I are gossiping about a mutual friend who's up for a big promotion, but we don't know if he's going to get it, that's gossip. But it's certainly not bad information about this person. You know, we're not doing anything to destroy his character. So I do think we overlook the fact that a lot of gossip is just sort of harmless entertainment that's kind of making groups of people cohesive with each other, and it's not really doing any damage out there in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or spreading something good about someone. It's also an important piece. So let me ask you, how do our listeners, you have so many great things out there on social media, how do our listeners find you to read more and listen to some of the YouTubes? Well, I, I, you know, to the extent that anybody would be interested in that, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. I've got a website, frankmcandrew.com, and from that website, there are links to almost any uh, of the, whether it's my scholarly publications or popular press articles, um, YouTube clips, and so on that are out there. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. Um, FT McAndrew is the Twitter handle, and those would probably be the places to start. And I would encourage listeners to go. Uh, Frank has, has really done blogs on some very fascinating topics. His YouTubes are great. It is worth visiting his sites. Um, I want to thank you, Frank, for coming on the show and for your years of work. I love what you do, making sense of experiences in everyday life and sharing it with the rest of us. It's a real gift, and I appreciate you joining us. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this show and any prior show as a podcast by 6.30 this evening Eastern Time. This will be a podcast that you can hear on my host site, my website, on the podcast app of your iPhone, iTunes, under Voice America Psych Up Live. I welcome you to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next time, please take care, thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. 